Wednesday. Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. They have a staff dedicated to helping you live a better life. So if you have any questions, it's all about educating yourself on these products and their health benefits. Don't hesitate to give Artisan Botanicals a call, 405-458-9699. Plus, right now, they're saving you 15% when you use the discount code COLBYSHOW, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, discount code COLBYSHOW when you check out online at abotanicalcompany.com. All right, Wednesday guest Aaron Davis joining us in just a moment. We're going to talk NFL draft. We're going to go over position rankings, talk quarterbacks, running backs, receiver, uh, defense, deepest positions in this draft, uh, the most likely uh, positions to be rated in the first round, who might uh, not get picked in the first round. Like This is going to be a a lot of fun, so uh, check that out. Also, just want to let you guys know, huge mock draft tomorrow on the podcast. So I've spent the last two days talking to people that cover every NFL team. So we're going to have 32 picks, all 32 first round picks made by people that cover each team. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Look for that tomorrow on the podcast. Uh, The mock draft, 32 picks, 32 people that cover each team making the picks. So uh, the most informed people making the picks, if you will. Uh, So that's going to be a lot of fun. So look for that tomorrow on the Colby Daniels podcast. But today, here is Aaron Davis. Aaron Davis, what's happening on this Wednesday? Not much. Just uh, here in the draft room with Mike Vrabel's family. As you can see, we are doing some last-minute research before the draft uh it's in two weeks, right? Not next Thursday, the Thursday after. Yeah, two weeks from yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. Correct, yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah, we're uh, we're doing some final research. We got uh, weird leashed mullet Vrabel here and then Frozone Vrabel over here yeah. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, right there. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting the work done. Uh, I almost showed up to CD Lamb's draft party. Uh, but I think I'm going to save that as the, uh, I don't know, you remember his, uh, I guess his girlfriend at the yeah. time, or so his girlfriend, whatever, yeah. trying to snatch up his uh, his phone yep. out of his hand, and he's just like, no. Yeah. Oh, uh, I much prefer you in the Tennessee Titans war room doing your best Vanna White on the green screen. So that uh, <laughs> well, that's glad. the ideal situation, yeah. yeah um, if uh, I had my draft wish, I would be on the Jerry Jones draft yacht. That's a good one. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury's... Uh, Swank, uh, Phoenix area, Glendale Metro, you know, postmodern whatever mansion yeah. that he was in was pretty pretty sweet. But that just was like, you know, he got that house to bring uh, Arizona State co-eds over. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, I yeah. mean, have have you ever been to uh, that area? I have. Uh, nice, nice. Um, how do how do I want to put this? Um, the uh, nice crop of of prospects. Yeah, yeah, they have they, they definitely have some uh, some franchise players in that area. Yeah, there and uh, they also have a stigma of just you know they like to party. That that's a school yeah. that likes to party. So a hundred percent, Cliff Kingsbury is like, okay, what's the coolest house I can get where I can just have sorority parties here? Yeah, he nailed it. That was a pretty sweet house. The first bowl game I ever got to cover in my media career was uh, when Oklahoma State went to the Fiesta Bowl in 2011 and we made the trip and got there like four or five days before the the bowl game so we were there for a while but 
it just so happened that uh, when the bowl game took place and when we got there, New Year's Eve was right in the middle of that. So we got to spend New Year's Eve in downtown Tempe, and uh, it was it was wild. It was a really good time. That that feels like a school too that uh, doesn't die during like the breaks because you're like oh you like Norman is empty during right. the summer and Christmas break. Right. I imagine Stillwater's pretty similar. Absolutely. Kids probably aren't leaving Tempe to go home to you know Paducah, Arizona, or whatever, like random yeah. Arizona town or whatever. Yeah, they're they're staying in town and they're it's still seventy degrees. They're still partying. <laughs> right. Plus, I like to imagine that the locals are like just as ASU as the ASU people. So, oh, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that seems like a town where the uh, the graduates kind of just stay in that yeah. Van Wilder mode for a, for about a decade. Absolutely, absolutely. And and look, as far as New Year's Eve went, uh, let's just say that it was the greatest ratio of all time. Greatest <laughs> ratio good. of all time. I've never seen anything like it. It's like it was literally like being on a different planet. Well, I that's funny because I went to I was in Alaska that that New Year's for uh, New Year's Day, and the ratio was not great for me. I wasn't really. Yeah, I feel like most New Year's situations, <laughs> it's not a good ratio, right? I yeah, I guess. I think that I think that ladies like to pair up for New Year's. So, yeah, the, there's not going to be a good ratio of single ladies on New Year's Eve. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I'm saying in in this. So they have like this massive like, I don't know how big it is, but it, like a block party where this massive chunk of downtown is like roped off and. Um, is it, is it in Tempe or in Phoenix? Uh, Tempe. Okay. Yeah. And at least this, this was in 2011 and, um, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say it was something like five to one, maybe. Oh, that's, uh, for the sake of you, uh, not getting canceled. I don't want that to happen to you. I'm going to edit that part out. So, um, okay. Yeah. That wasn't good verbiage by me. Yeah. That was terrible verbiage. So yeah, I'm going to edit that part out, but, uh, yeah, it was, you, you literally just had to be there. And yeah. no it's work, like, was, uh, just like, just sit and smile because look, everybody in that scenario like wants the New Year's kiss. So, uh, yeah, worked out. Yeah, it's like Lincoln Riley going to a wide receivers camp during the summer. <laughs> one thousand percent, one thousand percent. Yeah. So, uh, cl- speaking of Cliff Kingsbury's house, also reminded me of the house on uh, Parasite. Do you remember that movie? I haven't seen it, but I I know you're talking. I've seen like clips of it. Okay. I know, yeah, yeah. That's uh, man, I that is I, I don't know if that many windows is something that uh I would love or that would just uh kind of make me nervous at times. I feel like if you're in Tempe, it's probably okay, but like here, I don't know. I like a house with windows that big here is probably yeah. a bad idea. Yeah. Um, I I don't think I would mind it. But in my single days, I probably wouldn't have preferred that. I mean, that was wow. just yeah. a completely different situation. Yeah, you, sometimes you need some. Uh, you you need some just yeah privacy. Yeah, you need some privacy. That's a lot of investing in curtains. Yeah, it's not worth it. Yeah, yeah. just go go a windowless room. That's all you need. Yeah, I've bought Plain my my fair share of curtains. That's not, that's good to know. Yeah, I you know well especially when I lived in the village. I mean those houses are like two feet from each other. Yeah, I've just I've never been a curtains guy. I've always just been a let's thumbtack up some sheets and comforters. 
I mean, look, if you're, I get that. If you're, if you're only playing away games, then that's, that's a solid strategy, but. Well, I'll do it at home. I don't care. There you go. I mean, or you just, yeah, or you're just that confident in your game and you're like, you know what? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a comforter. Yeah. What's, I mean, I can spend a hundred dollars on blackout curtains. I can use this comforter I have in the closet. What do I mean? Works the same. (laughs) I can either pay for curtains or I can pay for your Uber. What's it going to be? Right. Yeah. You want to walk home or. You want to have? You want me to have blackout <laughs> curtains? Oh God. Okay. Let's uh, let's move on okay. before we both get canceled. Um, the NFL draft is two weeks from tomorrow. I'm excited about this draft. I think there are some really interesting twists and turns that we're going to see on uh, on draft night, especially in the first round. I think there are a couple of like pivotal points in the first round that uh, I'm I'm really interested in and. As we get kind of closer to this draft, I'm I'm feeling a little bit more settled about uh, about the prospects. Yeah, I uh, I'm still I and I hear more and more about that the number three pick with San Francisco taking Mac Jones, and I just I don't get it. Like I I get their mindset where like if Kyle Shanahan like really likes Mac Jones and thinks that Mac Jones is a perfect quarterback for his system, then I can see why they would want to take him, but. They gave up so much to move into that three spot when they didn't have to. If Mac Jones was their guy all along and they are and there's nothing that can break them. Excuse me. Uh <laughs> nothing that can break their desire and opinion on Mac Jones. Yeah. They could have they could have they could have swapped with Carolina. I mean, I know that they made the trade before Carolina got Sam Darnold, but like they could have swapped with so many other teams. They probably could have moved up to like 14 and gotten him just fine as long as they got above new england they probably would have gotten him yeah they didn't need to go up to three and give up multiple first round picks it just doesn't make sense to me i i just don't it just if they end up with mac jones at three i think that we're gonna look back on it and mac jones might be fine but i think it's just always gonna be viewed as a short-sighted move where it just it wasn't necessary for them to give up so much for a guy that they could have gotten seven picks later yeah, it, it kind of feels like if if Mac Jones is the pick, moving up to three was was probably doing too much to get your guy. Again, do you do you really want to chance it? I mean, if if he is your guy and you you're completely sold on him, do you want to chance it? Um, that's that's I think the, it, you know, they would never forgive themselves if that that were available to them and they said, you know what, we think he'll he'll slip down further and then somebody else took him uh, before they could pull the trigger. I'll say this about Mac Jones. If he gets drafted by San Francisco, he might be in the best position to succeed of all of the rookie quarterbacks. So, For sure. it, I mean, it could be a situation because that that team is built so well already. They have a great defense. He's not going to have to score 35 points a game. They line. have a good offensive line. They have weapons around him. Um, you know, I, I think that he can have success there. Uh, but but your point is absolutely valid. And I'll tell you what bothers me maybe more than anything about the whole Mac Jones conversation versus the other quarterbacks in this draft. I feel like there's such a stigma around quarterbacks in the NFL draft with pocket passers versus like more athletic quarterbacks where like all we've heard for the last couple of weeks is how smart Mac Jones is and how much he understands the game and the football IQ and all of that stuff. And it always just kind of feels to me like those types of of adjectives are always given 
to the pocket-passing quarterbacks like Mac Jones, and then you get the athletic playmakers like a Zach Wilson, for example, like a Justin Fields, like a Trey Lance, these guys that are able to create, and they never get that that uh, adjective. And I, it, it's weird to me. It's almost like you're just, you're because you're searching for other things to say about a guy that's not overly athletic, then you just automatically like give him the credit for being smart and cool. football IQ. Whereas with the we athletic guys, is, I think some people just say, well, they bail on the play too soon. Well, you know what? In we the know. NFL right now, everybody is is doing that. You need mobility. So I, I'm not saying that Mac Jones isn't super smart. Maybe he is. I, I don't know whether the other guys aren't super smart. But it just it's one of those things, I think, in this process that is becoming something that bothers me more every year. I think that, look, here's the way I look at it. And this is kind of what lent to my quarterback rankings and my positional rankings, the way I, I rank the quarterbacks. Mental things like being able to read the defense pre-snap or go through your progressions, that's something that you can learn. Like that's something that you could go into the if you've got the right coaching staff, if you've got good coaches who, you know, know their system in and out and are consistent and all that stuff, you can learn that. You can't learn to be agile and mobile. You can't learn to, you know, have that instinct to when a you know a 270-pound edge rusher is coming at you to take that step. Uh, you know, a couple steps to your left or right or whatever and avoid the sack because you're athletic enough to do that. You can't learn that. So, like, when people say that Justin Fields, he can't read the defense post-snap, I say, I don't care. Like, he can learn that. And and we've and you sent me a – I think you sent me a tweet or a video a couple days weeks ago where he clearly has the ability to go through his progressions on a play. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, he can learn that. He can get better at that. I, I can promise you that where there were people that were saying Lamar Jackson can't read a defense and go through his progressions. Well, he may not be the best at it, but he's gotten a lot better from his rookie year in the NFL to his you know year three. Like He's going through his progressions a little bit better. He's not the best at it by any means, but you can learn that. These are just, it's just knowledgeable things. Like It just takes the right coaching to help you learn how to read through your progressions. You can't learn to be athletic. So, I, yeah, I think that it's, I put a little bit more stock in having that athleticism as long right. as you're not, you know, a complete idiot back there. Yeah, you know, exactly. I, you know. And and look, let's be honest about this. When you talk about athletic plays, especially in college football, a guy like Justin Fields most likely is the best athlete on the field, and it's probably by a pretty significant margin, right? That's that's not going to be the case in the NFL. That gap it will close. But on a college football field, he's probably the most gifted athlete on the field at any given point. There might be one other guy on the field that's as gifted athletically as he is. But again, when you're talking about the best play to make, I would argue that Justin Fields either taking his first throw or running the football are the best two options that you possibly have on a college football field. So I think when you say he can't do something versus he didn't do something, those are two different things. Sure, there are plenty of situations where... Maybe Justin Fields should have went to a second option. Um, I, I think for me, the thing that bothers me more are the times that he didn't run. Like when I watched Justin Fields, like there were there were certainly things that I saw where it's like, dude, just go run the ball. You can you yeah. can get positive yardage instead of taking a sack. Like sometimes I think he stays in the pocket too long. So um, I, I think sometimes we also get so caught up in this whole idea that you have to be in the pocket. You have to go through the entire 
you know, you have to survey the entire field. And look, if you are so much more athletic than everybody else and you could go get a first down with your legs, why the hell would you stay in the pocket? You know what I mean? If, if, you're, if your number one target's not there, go. If there's, a, if there's a lane, run. So let's, okay, so just for this argument, let's, let's go through the top, the best quarterbacks in the NFL until we get to one that is like a statue, like he's going to be in the pocket and he's going to make or he's going to, you know, live or die in the pocket. He's yeah. not going to go anywhere. So Mahomes, he's definitely getting out of the pocket. Lamar Jackson, definitely getting out of the pocket. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, definitely getting out of the pocket. Josh Allen, getting out of the pocket. So it's four. I mean, we're four. We're probably going to what, yeah. like Tom Brady, somewhere around the ten range. Yeah. Before we um, get to a quarterback that can't move out of the pocket. Yeah, Russell Wilson gets out of the pocket. Uh, Kyler Dak, Murray gets Dak, out of the pocket. Dak, Dak, Dak probably is another example of a guy that I think stays in the pocket too long sometimes. Run more. Yeah. I, I, I would like to see him use his mobility more. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's you're, you're right. I mean, and, and look, when you look at the highlight plays from Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and these guys that are stars in the NFL – a lot of them come from extending plays and using their mobility as a weapon and breaking down the defense with their mobility before they then use their impressive passing ability to throw the football when they're on the run. And, you know, nobody can cover for eight seconds. I mean, it's when the play breaks down, you're going to find somebody open if you're able to extend those plays. And it's not even about, you know, getting a thousand yards like Lamar Jackson. Like, it's just about extending, like you said, extending right. those plays. Aaron Rodgers doesn't, I mean, he... He might have like 200 yards rushing on a season, right. but every, every he hardly ever takes sacks because he's always extending the play that extra half a second or a second to you know get that that tight that little window for usually it's Devontae Adams. Let's be honest to catch a pass, but yeah, it's it's you don't need them to be freak athletes necessarily. You you don't need them to run a four four, which Justin Fields does. He does run a four four. He is a freak athlete. Yeah, you just need him to be able to extend that play. And Mac Jones. I, whether it's as a case of he never had to, especially this last year at Alabama, um, or he just can't, I don't know. I'm tr probably leaning towards more that he just doesn't have that ability, at least not at an elite level where, you know, you could do it right. in the NFL. But I mean, Mac Jones does have some really good positive. He's a, his ball placement's amazing. He's incredibly accurate. Like you said, he, there's a cliche, like he's the, he's the smart quarterback cause he's the pocket guy or the, uh, some people might argue it's because he's the white quarterback, but yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he does have really good skills and good intangibles. It's just I just can't put him above. I can't put him higher than uh, fifth. And I, I I know we're gonna go through some positional rankings, but I'll spoil that. Like I had Mac Jones fifth on my quarterback rankings, and it's not it wasn't even difficult to have him fifth. Like I had no yeah holdups about having him behind the four guys that we all you know talk about a bunch ahead of him. Which is funny because he's probably going to go third. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's a chance, and you know, I think part of this is is what situation you're in. If you're San Francisco, and I'll just give you an example. Let's just say that uh, for the sake of this argument, I'm going to take Justin Fields out of play because I think if Justin Fields is there, that needs to be the pick. But let's just take Justin Fields and Zach Wilson out of play here, and let's just say for the sake of this argument that they have to choose between Trey Lance and Mac Jones. I don't know that that Mac Jones isn't the better pick in that scenario because he's... he. are trying to win now, for if sure. If you're trying to win now, I think Mac Jones is probably a little bit more prepared to step in faster than, than Trey Lance is. Uh, but 
And and that's that's mostly because Trey Lance didn't play last year or or what played one game, uh, and you know just neither one of the guys has a ton of experience to be honest with you. But we've just seen Mac Jones recently. I think is is maybe the the deciding factor. And you look at their situation with the weapons they have offensively, with the offensive line that they have in place. It doesn't seem as though while mobility is a big plus, like it would be something that just prevents you from having success. I think their their current situation says that he could have success soon without where the mobility maybe isn't as big an issue. So I would get that, but you also just, you can't pick a quarterback based on what you're hoping to accomplish in one season, in my mind, especially in the top 10. You got to be thinking about yeah. the next five years. And I mean, five years what? from now, to, to think that Mac Jones is better than Trey Lance. I don't know. Let me, let me ask you this. This for 2021, who gives you a better chance of winning the suit? Let me rephrase that. In 2021, how much of a significant difference does Mac Jones make over Jimmy Garoppolo and San Francisco being contenders? Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know that it's a ton. They're pretty I mean, they're very similar quarterbacks. Right. I, Mac Jones might be a little bit better right now than Jimmy Garoppolo, which is saying a lot because Mac Jones never played in the NFL and Jimmy Garoppolo's been to a Super Bowl, but yeah. the skill sets are similar. Like Mac Jones might have he, he he probably does have a little bit he does have better ball placement, but like it's just not like as far as the difference they're gonna make in winning or losing, especially in that Kyle Shanahan offense, I don't know that it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but, I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think it's, it's a. It, it's hard to say that it would be a significant amount. If Kyle, Shan, but if Kyle Shanahan looks at Mac Jones and says, "That's Matt Ryan," I can. I think I can ha, do yeah. what with Mac Jones. What I did with Mac with Matt Ryan or Matt Schaub even in Houston, like I we can win a Super Bowl. But it just doesn't like it. it just doesn't feel like that big of a, yeah. a leap in you know you're improving your team from Jimmy Garoppolo to Mac Jones in Mac's rookie year. Right. The the, the one thing about Trey Lance that that would bother me a little bit is obviously, you know, the the lack of experience, hasn't played football in a long time. And then you add to that level of competition to not have played much football in basically two years to or or you know a full year I guess is is for year and a half, I guess it'll be by the time you get to the draft. To basically not have played football in a year and a half. Uh and to go from that level to the NFL, like the change in everything is going to be, I think so drastic that already you're talking about probably needing time to adjust, but that probably adds another level. I mean, to the, the speed of the game for, for anybody is a drastic difference, uh, much less when you're talking about going from North Dakota state to the NFL versus like Ohio state or Alabama to the NFL. Let me ask you, okay, so let me ask you this. If if you could get Carson Wentz, if Trey Lance turns out to be Carson Wentz level before Carson Wentz, before his ACL and the back stuff, like if you're getting year two, year three of uh, Carson Wentz out of Trey Lance, are you having any doubts about taking him uh, at three if you're San Francisco? No. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, yeah. if you could potentially get an MVP caliber quarterback in three years, right? I would take that over getting a solid starting quarterback right away. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm not saying that Trey Lance is going to be MVP level, or obviously, and right, you know, all that stuff. But I just the comparison was there because they went to the same school. Right. Right. 
All right, give me your quarterback rankings. Mac Jones is right. five. I, I'm uh, I'm curious to see what you do at two and three. Uh, Trey Lance four. I've got Zach Wilson three and Justin Fields two. So here was my deciding factor between the two. What can Zach Wilson do that Justin Fields can't do? I think the the just arm ability is probably on another level from Justin Fields for Zach Wilson. Yeah. Arm, arm strength's there. Zach Wilson's ball placement is probably a little bit better. Uh, Justin Fields also takes – he does take a little while to release the ball. He's got a little bit of a wind-up. Yeah. Um, but I, to me, I don't think that the difference in their ability throwing the ball is so drastic. But then I look at Justin Fields, and he's, what, 6'3", 220? Like, that dude is a freak yeah. athlete. He's got a, a body to last in the NFL to take take hits. Zach Wilson's a little bit, he's smaller, he's a little bit slender, which isn't the end of the world. I mean, with Kyler Murray's in the NFL, but that's not also not a fair comparison because Kyler, Kyler Murray's probably the second toughest player in the NFL to tackle. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the first, depending on where you rank him and Lamar Jackson and a couple other guys, but I just, I, I like Justin Fields a little bit more. I think that the level of competition that he's faced is, gives me a little bit more hope, and I know he had down games, but like we've had this conversation before. We just we look at those like two bad games that he had and forget that he was absolutely he destroyed Clemson in that semifinal game. Like we say that he struggled against a Northwestern team or in the Big Ten championship game, but then he went up against Clemson, who and Clemson's Clemson. Like they're dominant. They had great a good defense, like star players, NFL dudes everywhere, and he he lit them up, destroyed them. And he struggled against Alabama. What it is, what it is, but. That that holds some weight for me that he has at least proven he can play dominant football against good teams. Uh, but Justin Fields and Zach Wilson for me, they're close. I just yeah. kind of – I like Justin Fields a little bit more. Um, and then uh, obviously Trevor Lawrence is yeah. one. I mean, I don't think anybody's not going to have Trevor right. Lawrence one. I agree. I, I agree completely with the order. And and I agree with you that two and three are close. But uh, I, I think it's probably just a preference thing, right? Like I, I just like – Justin Fields' skill set a little bit better than Zach Wilson's. So do I. Uh, and I think you probably need a little bit less around Justin Fields to have success than than you do with Zach Wilson. So uh, that's probably maybe that might be and, the main thing that I like about uh, about Fields over Wilson is I just feel like he could probably carry a bigger load and you don't need as much to help him. Uh, but it, and look they. Matter in our rankings, but it, it does. I, it will play a factor in you know the way teams evaluate these guys, and everything's leaning towards the Jets taking Zach Wilson at two, and there's nothing wrong with that. But oh, I, I think I mean, it's pretty much a done deal. Plenty, yeah, that's it, that's yeah, happening. Yeah, there's been plenty of reports though that Zach Wilson's a pain in the ass, and uh, you know had some issues in the locker room, or at least with his teammates at times. I, Justin Fields, I never heard anything negative about Justin Fields. Uh, you know, as far as the personality thing, but again, that doesn't matter in the rankings. Yeah. Just kind of a little tidbit I'm throwing out did there. Did you did you like the way that he was shown in QB one? I haven't seen his QB one. Oh, okay. What was it, Zach? Wilson? You talking about Zach Wilson? No, no, Justin Fields. Justin Fields. How was it? It was fine. Like I, I thought, uh, I thought he came across good. Uh, so yeah, I, I didn't uh, like. I think Spencer Rattler didn't didn't look great coming out of that thing. And there have certainly oh, QB, oh I'm, QB one's a high school show. I I don't know why you said that, and I was like picturing the uh, oh like the, yeah yeah the, yeah the Gruden like the the quarterback thing that Gruden used to do. Oh, I got gotcha. you. No, yeah, I watched Q, I watched QB one. Yeah, the wrist thing. He had the wrist injury and kind of just didn't. Dude, like he's in high school. He's a senior. He's about right. to go to Georgia. Like hell no. Like 
yeah, I the way I didn't think he came across fine. bad though was my point. Um, he, yeah, but I yeah, yeah, it's uh like Zach Wilson. I think we when you like uh, every time I hear Zach Wilson and and I start hearing like the the rumors about the off the field stuff, I think about the movie Draft Day, right? Like the the Kevin Costner GM like calling yeah. the coach or calling the the Bo Callahan kid out of Wisconsin and like asking if his teammates came to his birthday party. Like that's it's so ridiculous, but that's like the the impression I get that that is kind of being being pushed on Zach Wilson here. I that that was the fakest thing about that movie. The Bo Callahan was a quarterback, right? Yeah. Okay, that was the fakest part of that movie. Yeah. That a Wisconsin quarterback would even be drafted. <laughs> Russell Wilson, bro. Russell Wilson. No, he was a transfer. He played one year there. I mean, do you know that Bo Callahan didn't transfer in and play one year? That, that's we, fair. I we guess. don't know that. Yeah. Maybe maybe he played three years at Florida State and was like, you know what? I'm really Great. good. This team yeah. sucks. I'm out of here. Let's go to Wisconsin. I'm going to go somewhere where I have NFL offensive linemen and a run game. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. But I didn't know. I don't know All if right. he transferred or not. All, All right. right. Fair enough. He could have been. Lincoln Riley could have brought him in and he just couldn't beat out the other five-star quarterbacks. And he's, Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's true. I think that, that movie was also made before Lincoln took the... Uh, the OU job, right? So maybe maybe Lincoln yeah. was uh, assisting with the quarterback room at that point. Yeah, who knows? That's fair. He could have transferred. <laughs> I didn't see the tape. Yeah. I'll be honest. I didn't see the Bo Callahan tape either. Yeah. I shouldn't judge him. No, it's funny, though. Yeah. Did your teammates come to your birthday party? Nope, we don't want him. Nope, nope. Maybe his teammates, teammates, teammates were, like hey, Maybe his teammates were just assholes. Bo Callahan or Zach Wilson's? Well, both. Yeah, I mean, Zach Wilson is kind of a... Uh, he feels like he's a little bit more out there than what BYU is is used to. Yeah, well, his I think his uncle owns like JetBlue or something, so he's, he, he comes from a, uh, a fun family, I would imagine, but I saw a tweet the other day that said Zach Wilson looks like the guy that would play Zach Wilson in a movie about Zach Wilson on a, in Disney, on a Disney channel. 1,000%, yes. One thousand percent. So I, I thought that was funny. Yeah, quarterbacks though. I mean, it, it'll be interesting. I, I, I think that if Justin Fields falls to like Detroit or Denver. Yeah, if he falls to the end of the top ten. Like they're getting a huge steal, and I think that somebody made a mistake at some point by not taking him before them. Um, like if I'm Atlanta. If I'm Atlanta and Justin Fields and Trey Lancer there, if I I could see Atlanta not taking a quarterback there because whatever, but I think they would be absolutely stupid not to take Justin Fields if he's there at four. Yeah. I agree. Or yeah. Or a team trading up to four and taking him. I just I think that I I think it'd be a big mistake if he falls to the end of the top ten. Yeah, if San Francisco, I, I believe, is choosing between Justin Fields and Mac Jones, and if they, they go Fields and he's off the board, if they go Mac Jones, Fields is still available, and Atlanta's on the clock and Justin Fields is there, he's a Georgia guy, man, yeah. it, it seems like that would be really tough to pass on uh, if you're the Atlanta Falcons. And and look, Atlanta still has they don't need, some nice pieces. They have, yeah, yeah. But, they don't need a court. Like, Matt Ryan's still good. They don't need... Yeah. Him be, to replace him right away. He's but not still. an MVP caliber quarterback though anymore. No. And no. again, I think they could still compete, but it feels like they're on the wrong side of that hill. So, but I've heard this argument too, and I think it's a very good argument. Like 
with the way their team is constructed right now, it's pretty unlikely that they're going to be back in the top five in the next few years. Agreed. Like as long as, long as Matt Ryan's a quarterback, and you're right, he's not at MVP level anymore, but he's still good. They they have really good weapons. I mean, Calvin Ridley is really good. Julio Jones is still really good. They have weapons, and their defense, if they draft well, they could their defense could be pretty de- pretty okay. Yeah. It's very unlikely they're going to be back in the top five next year or the year after. I agree. So, if yeah, and this is a good quarterback class. If Justin Fields is there, like, if he sits for a year, then so be it. You know, you could sit him for a year and then trade Matt Ryan next year or cut Matt Ryan or do whatever you want and then start Justin Fields. Well, if Fields has as many issues as a lot of these draft people want to say he has, then sitting him for a year is probably year. What, what the coaches want to do right. anyway. But Which is exactly what you're going to do with Trey yeah. Lance. Trey Lance is going to sit any as well, so... Why not take yeah. the guy that has higher upside and a lower fl- or higher floor and potentially higher upside? I mean, I would Fields be the first pick in next year's draft? I mean, possibly. Yeah. I mean, this is you also have to consider like this is a really good draft class. So wh- while maybe people are tearing down Justin Fields in comparison to Trevor Lawrence or you know for some Zach Wilson, uh, you also have to think like. Could we get a player of Justin Fields' caliber in next year's next year's class? I don't Who's, know. So, so, I mean, off the top of my head, quarterbacks that will probably be in the draft next year, the How kid out of North Carolina, right? Yeah. Spencer Rattler probably is going to declare for the draft. Yeah. I Yeah, I mean, at least from those two guys, I'd probably take Justin Fields over those two dudes right now. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm trying to think of who else would be. Uh, the Slovis kid out of USC is obviously a guy that, uh, is viewed, yeah. I think in that conversation, um, I'm looking at a list here of quarter 2022 quarterbacks and it has Tanner Morgan from Minnesota on this list. It has, uh, Brock Purdy, Iowa state, Emory none Jones, Florida, above Justin Fields. No, if Justin, Justin Fields would probably be the number one pick next year. Yeah. I agree. So, and I don't, which I don't understand why he keeps falling. <laughs> his, his, I, I don't know, man. We've talked about this so much that it's just the, it's like a roller coaster with his draft stock. And I, yeah, he hasn't done anything bad. There's, I've seen nothing negative. Every year it feels like there's months. a guy that people just kind of pile on and maybe like, they probably get graded harsher than anybody else. And it kind of feels like Justin Fields is that guy this year. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, if he's there at four, like, man, it seems like that would be tough for Atlanta to say no to. Uh, And then here's the other question. Let's say he's still there for some reason. If you're Detroit at seven, like, is Jared Goff 100% the guy that you would pass on Justin Fields for? Like, I don't know. I'm I'm taking Justin Fields. I'm Detroit, 100% taking Justin Fields. And once again, yeah. you're in a situation where where you can play Jared Goff now. And if Jared Goff plays well, then you potentially trade him and get get some draft capital back, and then yeah, hand the reins to nobody Justin cares Fields. if you bench him. Yeah, right. nobody cares if you bench Jared Goff. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's a win win. Benching Matt Ryan in Atlanta, if Matt Ryan like that's a tougher sell than benching Jared Goff, For who sure. just came into Detroit, and everybody already knows Jared Goff at best is an average quarterback in the league. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Detroit, we talked about this too a lot. Detroit's an interesting pick because I just feel like they need everything. Yeah. But yeah, Justin Fields is there, 100%. Take Justin Fields. Yeah. Hell, if, if Trey Lance is there, I'd probably take Trey Lance too. I've seen, I haven't seen a single mock draft that has Detroit taking a quarterback, but 
I mean, why not? If you like, what you're so bad, you just need everything. Right. Why not? Especially if Sewell, if, if Panay Sewell's gone, I, I would definitely take a quarterback if I'm Detroit. Yeah, yeah, I, I I'm with you. And here's the other question: Let's stay on the quarterback topic. Is Carolina like guaranteed to to pass on a quarterback? Let, for, again, let's just for the sake of argument say that Fields is available, and let's just say Trey Lance is there. Like, is Carolina so set on Sam Darnold that they wouldn't say, you know what, uh, Sam Darnold's in a contract year after this. Yeah, and he's never taken I, a snap in Carolina. It's not like you gave up a future first round pick. Um, I, I I don't think it's likely. But I'm just saying I wouldn't completely rule out the idea of Carolina seeing Justin Fields on the board and saying, you know what, let's take him. And then once again, we'll play Darnold now, let Justin Fields sit. And the only, and if Darnold plays bad, then we have our quarterback. If Darnold plays well, then once again, we have the ability to move him and get some draft capital back. Yeah, I think that's the, the only argument for Carolina taking Fields at eight is that if Darnold is good, then you can trade Dar- Then you can trade Fields, but I I think it would be or Darnold. Stupid. I think or Darnold, right? Yeah. Well, if Dar- yeah, you'll, you Darnold would walk. You know, you would assume. I would, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, y- you can figure out how to do that, but uh, right, yeah. So that's the only argument is that you could potentially leverage one of them into a trade. I think it would be stupid for Carolina to take a quarterback at eight, because I Darnold is only twenty three. Um, take it for what you will. Um, I, it's just one guy's opinion, but Mel Kiper is pretty adamant that if da- Sam Darnold was in this draft, he'd be the second best quarterback. He would have him as the number two quarterback in this draft. We've seen flashes of Darnold being amazing in New York. Just a ton. I mean, he's just a jet. He, bad luck. Just part yeah. of being a jet is you just deal with bad luck constantly. They couldn't put anything around him. If I'm Carolina, I just trade it for this dude. We got him pretty cheap. Honestly, like two seconds and a six is that's a pretty cheap price to pay for a 23 year old quarterback who has shown flashes of being really good or the potential to be really yeah, good. There's obviously talent there. Yeah. Right. What is what does Justin Fields show you more than what Sam Darnold has already shown you? Pro- nothing. Well, like, I would say they're probably pretty comparable. Well, yeah, rookie contract, contract is, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big difference. But you know what, Carolina, they trade it for him. Give him a year. If he sucks, then you reevaluate next year. You've already got Teddy Bridgewater under under contract for this year, and I think maybe next year. But yeah, build build your team around Darnold. I think it would be stupid to take a quarterback. They really don't need much on the offense. Maybe an offensive lineman. Or maybe you get some defensive guys. Or I mean, hell, if Kyle Pitts falls to eight, you have to take Kyle Pitts. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it would be completely stupid. I think that Carolina's front office right now is just they're they're rolling too, too well, too much in the right direction to make a decision that could work out, but also could not work out. They need to just make continue to make decisions that will work out. Yeah. All right, talk to me about uh, your running back list. Um... I'm I'm curious to there's a chance that we could see a couple running backs go in the first round of this draft. Uh it wouldn't surprise me if if uh none got taken until the second round, but I I'll just say this for me at least. I think there's a pretty clear-cut tier 1 running back group here. And then I think after the and and I think it's three guys and then I think after those three guys, like if you don't get one of those three guys in the second round, like I'd, I the next 10 to me are like interchangeable almost. It, it just becomes yeah. a what type of back are you looking for type situation. But 
So I know we're going to disagree on this list a little bit. Um, I've got uh, ETN1. I would imagine you probably have ETN1 as well. I've got Najee Harris, too. And uh, here's where we're going we're gonna to disagree. Yeah. I've got Michael Carter three. Yeah. I think that Michael Carter's ability to run routes and play in the passing game, plus he's a, a pretty good runner. Like, he's a good runner. He's a little bit small, but I think that he's going to immediately step into an offense. He may not be play all three downs, but he's going to immediately have an impact in a lot of offenses because of his ability to catch the ball and run routes. I don't have him very much higher than Javante Williams. I did Javante Williams slightly below, and the only difference is that Michael Carter's ability in the passing game. Like Michael Carter reminds me a little bit of Austin Eckler, and if I can get an Austin Eckler type player, then yeah. I'm pretty stoked about that. Javante Williams, like great runner, physical, great balance, like a dude that could play all three downs, but also the way he runs scares me a little bit because I don't know if that physicality can translate when you get to play in the NFL yeah. against those defenses. It, it should, but that that concerns me a little bit. And then uh, my fifth running back, this is like, I got to five and there was just like, I, I don't know. I don't know who should be five. Yeah. I put Trey Sermon yeah. just because Trey Sermon's just kind of good at everything. Yeah, he's not I think that's a freak reasonable. athlete. Yeah. He's not a freak athlete or anything like that. Like we, I've seen, we've all seen the clip a hundred times of Justin Fields chasing him down in that Big Ten championship game. But he's just he's kind of good at everything. Yeah. We've talked about it before. We talked about it during the season. I didn't understand why he didn't get more run at OU. Um, seems like it was kind of uh he didn't really the coaches didn't really get along with him or whatever. Like there was some kind of right uh, trust issues. Doghouse issue, yeah. Dog, yeah. So I just he's good at everything, man. He's he's physical, he's a good blocker, like he can c- catch the ball like with what we have after the two North Carolina running backs, yeah, I I'd say he's fifth on my list. Yeah, I don't I don't have an issue with that. I I have the Carolina guys flip flopped, uh, obviously, and then like I I think five for me might be Ramondre, um, but like I I think he's in that same group with Trey Sermon and you know guys like Khalil Herbert, um, who you know used to be the the Kansas back and then went to Virginia Tech, uh, but like I said, I think. Uh, there's like 10 guys after my top three that uh, I, I, I just, you know, if, if you don't get one of those top three guys for me, I think there's a there's a decent gap between the next group, and then I don't think there's a lot of of difference for me. But I'll tell you this about Javante Williams. I think he might be my favorite running back in this group He's to watch. fun to watch. Like, he yeah, is... He's- He's got burst. Um, you know, he can he can outrun people. He can run over people. He catches the ball out of the backfield. He blocks... Um, he, he split time with Michael Carter. So it's not like there's a lot of mileage on him going into the NFL. Um, I, I, whoever gets him, I, I'm going to be fascinated to see what they do with him. And I, I think I'm just, I, I, I really like watching that guy. Um, for me, Najee Harris and and Travis Etienne, like, I, I think there are definitely some situations for both of those guys, depending where they go, where I think they could be great fits. Like I, I see, uh, like Najee Harris in Pittsburgh to me just seems like a great fit. Uh, Travis Etienne with the Jets to me seems like a great fit. Uh, so it you know it just kind of depends on where they go and how they're used uh, as far as maybe the preference and the order uh, because you know they're all a little bit different. But man, every time I watch Javante Williams compared to the other two, I just I enjoy watching him play so much more. Look, dude, I'm not I'm not disagreeing. Like he's. Yeah. 
I mean, he's who doesn't like watching the dude that's just gonna run through guys and just bounce off of tackles? Like it's a lot of fun. And like, I, but like I said, I think Michael Cord- Michael Carter, excuse me, is he has potential like elite level like pass catching skills and route running ability to where I think I just can see him playing a very specific specific role even at the, if, at the beginning that it might be this way playing a very specific role but having like a huge impact in the right system and that's kind of the thing with all these running backs it's kind of system dependent uh I did see yeah. I saw a mock draft I saw a mock draft with Najee Harris going like 18 to Miami wherever the second Miami pick is yeah and I, it was really high for a running back to go but I think that would be a good fit. Like Miami needs a running back. They need somebody that can fill in that position. So hell, I mean, it wouldn't be the worst pick. Like if Miami came out of that first round with Jamar Chase and Najee Harris, even if they reach on Najee Harris at 18, like that's a pretty damn good, like first round for what their team needs. Like they just, they, yeah. So yeah, I, so Javante Williams and Michael Carter, I, they both will probably. You think they'll probably both go in the second round? Yeah, I would think so. so okay, so I, here's my, here's where I am going to go with that. After those two guys, how long before we see another running back taken? You think it's like you like you think teams will start grabbing them in the third round, or like, or you think it might be like the fourth and fifth round before we see a running back? Yeah, I I kind of look at this thing as like after those guys. And, and and especially because you start looking at, like, the value and positionally, like, where you think you're going to see, like, clusters of guys go, right? Like, right. I, I start seeing there being so much value in... Because, again, like, the defensive line is generally, in the, in the NFL draft, extremely valuable. But you may not see a defensive lineman taking, taken until the teens, right? The first one probably isn't coming mm-hmm. off the board until the teens, we may not even have five total defensive linemen. We may not even have three total defensive linemen go in the first round. I mean, that's not a guarantee. I, so I, I'm pretty confident there's not going to be a single defensive player taken in the top ten. Somebody yeah, that might take that Parsons, shock me. but yeah, yeah, that wouldn't shock me. Um, so yeah, I think you start getting into the second and third round, and there's going to be a lot of a defensive lot. players uh, that that all of a sudden are like, why would I take a you know a running back here? when there's so much value on the defensive side of the football in rounds two and three. So, yeah, I, I could definitely see the next running back after the maybe the top four going uh, somewhere on day three. I think there's going to be a lot of interior offensive linemen, too, available in the second and third rounds. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you said, defense, a lot of defense available. Uh, there might be a drop-off at cornerback once you get into the second and third round. But, like, yeah, there's going to be a plenty of defensive options, especially on the line, like you said, interior offensive line. Potentially some good tackles available. Yeah, there's going to be a lot available yeah. in the second and third rounds to where it's just I mean, you have to be really you have to be a really good team that's pretty set to draft a running back. I think that early. Agreed. Yeah, if you're not getting one of those top guys, I, I agree completely. Yeah. Um, and and look, speaking of of deep classes, we talked about this uh, maybe last week. I think this is probably the deepest receiver group we've ever seen in the draft and it probably just replaces last year's I mean this is I think oh, this yeah. is just the trend now there are just everybody throws the football at such an early age that there are just so many skilled guys at that position um, once again I think it's probably a preference thing and it becomes a situation where like what kind of receiver do you need um, and and that that probably makes the rankings a little bit harder after you get through the first few but 
I mean, if you're if you're a team that has two really good outside guys and needs an inside guy, then you're probably going to value, you know, maybe a guy like Kadarius Tony more than somebody like Rashad Bateman, for example. But uh, yeah, I, I think this this receiver class is just ridiculously good. Yeah, um, I think that well, one they have a uh, they have a big shadow to fall to live in this year because that receiver class last year was, I mean, there was always the trope that rookie receivers never produce. Like they just, it always takes them at least a year before they get settled in the yeah. NFL and start producing. I mean, those dudes last year just right away were top tier quality receivers, and we've talked about it before. And there's like, like Claypool, Jeff, Jefferson, um, T. Higgins. Like there was a lot of dudes that came in as rookies and were immediately really good. So, and I think this rookie I mean, look, receiving class, CeeDee Lamb, too. Jerry Judy, and Henry Ruggs were all good. They just didn't have great. They're not as good as play. those guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jerry Judy, like, I mean, I remember watching that Monday night game week one. I can't remember who they were playing. Tennessee, maybe. Yeah. And just, like, jaw dropped at Jerry Judy's route running. Like, it's just, yeah, yeah like, these next level abilities, like, immediately coming in the NFL. But I think this year, I think Jamar Chase is pretty comfortably won, yeah. uh, at least in my rankings. If Jalen Waddle was a little bit bigger, if Jalen Waddle was Jamar Chase's size, I might have Jalen Waddle won. Uh, just his, his contested catch ability is amazing. Talking about Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase is good as well, but, uh, I love what I've seen of Jalen Waddle. Uh, I've seen comparisons to Tyree Hill, which I mean, if you, that's, that's also like, that's right. a, that's a big comparison. Like Jalen Waddle is really good, but Tyree Hill, I've said it before. I think he's, a, he could be the best receiver in the NFL right now. So if you're getting Jalen Waddle there, if you're New York or whoever's going to take him, Dev- I've got Devonte Smith three. Again, great route runner. We we know what about Devontae Smith. He won the Heisman. Four, this is where it got a little bit tough to rank the guys. I think the top three is pretty easy. I put Terrace Marshall four. Oh, okay. I like I that. Love his catch, I love his catch radius. I think he's a freaky athlete. He's a little bit more raw than a lot of the guys uh, as far as his skill set. But I, I think that if he gets in the right team with the right coaches, like they can mold him into an all-pro receiver. Like he's – yeah. And again, he was kind of the what like third guy in that receiving core for LSU and the national championship yep. team. So we kind of forget about him a lot. But again, I just I think he has so much potential. And I think that he's a piece of coal right he's now. A and monster can, too. He, Six three two yeah, pounds. He, yeah, just yeah, long arms, freaky athlete. Like yeah, if he's in the right system, they can turn him into a diamond. And then uh, five, I've got Elijah Moore, kind of the opposite of Terrence Marshall, where okay. Elijah Moore doesn't not a freaky athlete, but like he's just kind of. He's good at everything. He's like he, a lot like Trey Sermon, where he's just. I think he could go in and immediately contribute because he just he's good at everything, and knows what to do. Yeah, I like that. Um, and and this goes, you know, we have a different four and five. Uh, but like I, I don't dispute that uh, that those guys don't belong there. Um, I think the first three, like you said, is pretty clear cut, and. I've had a really hard time, I think, throughout this process between Waddle and Smith as far as, like, which one I would go with. And I think where I ultimately land is Waddle when he's healthy just because I feel like in the NFL you can do a little bit more with him. There's a little bit more versatility. Um, And so that probably gives me the edge. Uh, But, look, if you're just talking about this is what they do and this is what they do really well and this is the role they're going to play, then maybe it is Devontae Smith. But um, I, I just think you get a little bit more versatility with Waddle. Uh, and then for me, it's Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. And then I think at five, just to 
you know, again, I think this becomes a situation where it's like, what do you want? What type of receiver are you looking for? Are you looking for the outside guy, the inside guy? So, to, like, if, if Bateman is my four, I just move inside for my five. And, and to me, that's like a Kadarius Tony or Elijah Moore type of guy. Yeah, Bateman and Tony were like a close, like, 6A, 6B yeah. for me. I, I really want to like Rondell Moore, but his, he's got injury issues, and I don't think he's that good of a receiver. Like, it seems like Purdue used him a lot of, he's like kind of a gadget player for yeah. them. Um, I just, I, I, I like, I like the dude. I love how physical he is. Like we've all seen the clip of him, like just bullying through Ohio state, but right. I just, I've got too many concerns with him. He could end up being good again. Yeah. If he goes to the right system and they figure out how to use him properly, he could be really good. But I think that he's going to have to go to the right system. I think all the guys above him can go to 32 teams and be successful uh, in the league. I th- you nailed it. And that's exactly how I feel about Rondo Moore. And and again, I, I think he will be good if he's in the right place. But if I have a second round pick, do I like Rondell Moore more than one of those guys where I don't feel like you need as much to be right for him to have success? I you know, if you if you're in the third round all of a sudden and it's like, hey, we can get Rondell Moore here uh, as a guy that can you know we can do some things with, but you know maybe he's just not your every down contributor then I, I like that better. I just, I think from a value standpoint for me is, is what prevents him from being higher on my list. Yeah. Um, any concern with you that Kadarius Tony is just another Percy Harvin? I mean, look, Percy Harvin, if you take away the migraine issue, Percy Harvin had some good moments. Um, he did. I feel like, I feel like Tony's a better receiver than Harvin was. I'm kind of the way you just described, um, Rondell Moore is kind of how I felt about Percy Harvin. I never felt like he was a great receiver. I just thought he was like a great playmaker. Yeah, I could, Whereas, yeah, I could see that. Tony also has a lot of great playmaker in him, but I I feel like he's more polished as a receiver than I mean, Percy Harvin ever was. Tony, I believe he only had three drops on catchable balls in yeah. college. Yeah. Three drops. I mean, so Harvin lined up in the backfield, you know, he was, they were giving him the ball on those, those like jet sweeps a lot. I mean, they, they kinda just like, did kind of more like you might've just said this, but kind of more like a Rondell Moore. Yeah. I just said, yeah, that's what I just player. said. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's yeah. why I, th- I thought you said it, but yeah. But I mean, look, if, if Rondell Moore goes to a team like Kansas city, oh. Andy Reid is going to turn him into a superstar. Absolutely. If he stays, if he stays healthy, obviously, but yeah, teams like that, uh, if he goes to like, uh, I think Pittsburgh would use him really well. Yeah. Uh, they're desperate for anything, any offense outside of, you know, Ben Roethlisberger throwing five-yard slants. Um, yeah, so, but there's also a lot of teams that Rondell Moore just wouldn't work in. Yeah. Like we said. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but look, yeah, that's another position that I'll be really interested to see how teams attack it because I could see like five guys, six guys maybe going in the first round, but I could also see teams saying, you know what? There are so many good receivers in this draft. Um, Just wait. Yeah. What, like I, I can get it. I can address another position in the first round and there's still going to be a quality guy when we swing around to our second round pick or maybe even our third round pick. Yeah, definitely. I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I haven't looked at the receiver class like past like 10 or 11 guys, but I'm sure that you could go 25 deep and you're going to get pretty quality talent yeah who I mean, was uh I mean, you told me what nico collins was a guy you really liked out of michigan uh, no i i didn't say that i liked him necessarily but i i had seen that uh comparisons to like dk metcalf like oh physical. okay that's what it was yeah. yeah 
Um, I, I haven't watched a ton of tape on Nico Collins yet. Yeah. Or done a ton of research on him. I just, I really like, like, there's like six or seven dudes above him that I really like. Okay. But a- after the guys that we just mentioned, I mean, um, Tutu Atwell from Louisville, I think is another, I mean, slot guy that, that just could be a problem uh, if he's in the right place. Um, Tylen Wallace, like, I, I don't even know where he fits in this draft. He's got to be like 15 or 20 range, I would imagine. He could, yeah, he could be. Uh, but look, it wouldn't surprise me, again, when you just look at uh, his ability to just go track the football and make contested catches that somebody, yeah. again, depending on what you need. Like, that's the thing. Um, Nico Collins out of Michigan. Um, Amari Rogers out of Clemson. Uh, the St. Brown, Brown kid, kid out of yeah. USC. Uh, Deami Brown, North Brown. Carolina. Yeah, there you go. Um, I mean, they're, Josh Palmer from Tennessee is a guy I really like. Frank Darby from Arizona State's a guy I like. Um, I, I, I just, there are, not that those guys are stars, oh. but like if you're just looking for a, a complimentary pass catcher, I think there are just yeah. a ton of options. There's the uh, the Watkins kid out of UAB who I think you could probably get like in the, the third round or so. That could yeah. be, I think he could be a pretty good contributor. Yeah, there's there's just so many guys. It, if you miss on a receiver in this draft, like – you're it's like winning the lottery like you're probably the only team that missed on a receiver right. that drafted one if your guy sucks yeah yeah i completely agree uh do you want to give tight end rankings or uh it's so i i, I ranked them uh okay. obviously kyle pitts is one you could argue that kyle pitts is the second best player in this draft maybe the first best player in this the best player in this draft uh overall but yeah after that and then there was like the friar kid from penn state yeah and then everybody else uh, I like the Trimble kid out of Notre Dame, but I don't even know if he catches the ball. I just like watching. Yeah. It's just fun to watch. Good athlete. Like, block. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Jordan, the Brevin Jordan kid out of Miami, and then Hunter Long out of Boston College. I, there's really not even much to say about the tight end class past Kyle Pitts. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, the Penn State kid is is probably number two for me. Probably a second day pick, but I don't know that after that I would, I mean, I think from that oh, point yeah. on for me at least, it would probably be day three before I would pull the trigger again. Look. The third best tight end on my board, he's not even a pass catcher. He's a blocker. He wasn't even the tight end one on Notre Dame. Yeah. Like, so. Well, part of that's because they had that freshman kid that's just a pretty freaky freak. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but still, right. I mean, that just shows yeah. like where we're at with the tight end class. Kyle Pitts, though, is just yeah, I'm with you. Um, I I would do a backflip if uh, somehow he fell to ten. <laughs> Good luck. That's not happening. Good luck. I, not I happen. talked about it. I I texted you about it the other day. I think that. I think that you could probably get Cincinnati to trade with you if you're like in that yeah. seven to ten range. See, I don't want them to trade up though. That's the problem. Like, I, I think okay, they have way yeah. too many holes to to use picks you're to move up. Them. So, yeah, you're, you're not going to get them then, right? Unless there was that stupid mock draft that I showed you from ESPN right. where he felt Kyle Pitts fell to twelve, which well, will look, never look I, I think before the Carolina trade, I thought it was possible. Because at that point, you were definitely talking about five quarterbacks guaranteed going in the first round. And, and you know, at that point, I think we're all still convinced that Cincinnati was going offensive line also. I think since then, you know, obviously Carolina most likely not taking a quarterback now, which opens up a position player there. And then there's been a lot of smoke around Cincinnati either going chase or pits. Uh, and and feeling like they can address the offensive line situation in the second round, so I yeah, I don't think it's happening I, either. But but up to that point, I was like, you know what? There's a chance it could happen. There's a chance. I agree that they could wait and potentially sure up that offensive line 
later in the draft. But I think taking Jamar Chase over Kyle Pitts would be a huge mistake for Cincinnati. They don't need a receiver. The receiving core is fine. Yeah. I, like we I, just I think it's about, fine, too. Uh, but We just talked about this receiver class being so deep. That yeah. If Kyle Pitts is there, if it's Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase, I think it would be stupid to take Jamar Chase over Kyle Pitts. Oh, it's, it's the pick I for me Jamar is Kyle Chase. Pitts, absolutely. But Jamar Chase is a uh, former teammate of Joe Burrow. And uh, you lost A.J. Green. Yeah, but you still have T. Higgins and, and Tyler Boyd. Like, you still right. have good receivers. No, I know. I'm just... It I, I, it wouldn't shock yeah. me to see them go that route. But for me, it would be... I, I would absolutely go Pitts over yeah, Chase there. It would shock me. Give me your thoughts on the uh, offensive tackles here. All right, offensive tackles. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know. I might have cheated on this uh, offensive lineman rankings with the interior and the tackles. So, okay. we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh I think Panay Sewell is like a clear-cut, top-of-the-list offensive tackle. I mean, the dude is – he's built like the the freaking uh, – the mountain from Game of Thrones. Like, the dude is a giant, and he's just a freak athlete. Uh, PFF, great. I think – I believe in 2019 gave him their highest grade they've ever given to a tackle, offensive tackle ever. So, just freak athlete, high production. I think Panay Sewell is like clear-cut number one. Yeah. I think two and three – I think there's conversation between those two. I think you've got Rashawn Slater for me is two. Christian Derrishaw is three, but I could I could I could absolutely see Christian Derrishaw in three years being uh, way better than Rashawn Slater is. Uh, and then I four and five you might have some issues with. I really like Tevin Jenkins. Okay, he has some issues. I know that uh, he doesn't have the longest arms, and uh, you know he's, he's not you know, elite tier athlete, but I love the physicality plays with the aggressiveness he has. And then five is a guy that I think is a freak athlete, but doesn't necessarily have that like aggressiveness on tape. I I, I like, I think that potentially Cosme out of Texas could be a really good tackle. If you could kind of get him to, you know, not take plays off. Okay. If you get him to play hard every snap. I think that the athleticism is there and the potential is there for Cosme to be really good. Um, so I've got him five. Where are you at with Vera Tucker being a tackle? And do okay, you, so like, that, that's, that's where I was, okay. that's where I cheated okay. potentially. I have him on my interior offensive lineman board because I think he's probably going to play inside. Okay. Um, I have him one on that list. So I think he's going right. to be good. I like him as a prospect, but I think he probably moves inside. I have him there as well, but I also think he could be a top five tackle in this class. And I think... And here's the thing with Rashawn Slater, for me, I think also a guy that could play guard as well. So, like, I think just having the versatility with those two guys makes them extremely valuable. Yeah, for sure. Um, like, Slater if we were going to rank like, offensive linemen in general, for me, it's Sewell 1, and then Slater and Vera Tucker are 2 and 3. Again, because I think you just get so much more versatility hmm. with those two guys. But, yeah, I, I, uh, I, get, I get what uh, what you're saying with Vera yeah. Slater definitely technically is like he's good enough to play. I probably any position on the offensive line. I don't know if he's I, he might is he too big to play center. I don't I don't know if it has his height or anything like that out in front of me. But I mean I, I yeah Slater's just like if you want to find a dude that just does everything like yeah. right technically like he's definitely the guy. Yeah, six four three zero four. It's a big center. Yeah, I guess he could play. Yeah, I mean, depending on the team, how big. Yeah, but uh, one thing I did notice when I was going through these, Virginia Tech has dudes at, like at every position almost. They have a ton of like 
top draft guys that I'm like, oh, did Virginia Tech come from? Yeah, um, I, I mean Farley and Darasaw for me, Khalil Herbert. I mean they maybe not Who first round guys, like? but like, uh, let's see, maybe it was just those three guys. Maybe it was just like okay. three dudes. But I was just like, I didn't know they had three guys. Like I obviously I knew about Darasaw and I knew about uh, Farley, but maybe I don't know. There's maybe a, I'm just uh, overreacting to what my research. Um, what's the safety's name? Divine Diablo. Uh, there's. I'm not as high on him as as uh, maybe most people are. So, yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen uh, I've seen him in the conversation as one of the maybe top ten safeties in this draft, but I'm not there. But I mean, he's another guy that'll be drafted. Maybe I was just shocked to see that Virginia Tech had two first round guys. Right. Yeah. The Hokies. The Hokies. Yeah. I, I don't have an issue with those. Um, I think that, uh, let's see. Walker Little scares me. I think that if we would have done this a year and a half ago, Walker Little probably would have right. been in the top three. But I just, I don't know, man. He just, he scares me. I mean, yeah, I don't uh, know what else to say. Like, I just, he I could be a second him. round pick. He could be a fifth round pick. Like, yeah, he, he could be the best offensive tackle in this draft in five years. Yeah. But I just, yeah, I just, he, he had a lot of he had a lot of stock coming out of high school and going to Stanford. Yeah, and I just don't I don't feel like he lived up to it, and it kind of scares me. Yeah, I'm uh, I have caused me uh, lower than you do. Um, I really like the Radunes kid out of North Dakota State. Uh, I really yeah. like uh, I like Eichenberg from Notre Dame. Uh, Tevin Jenkins, if if you're a team that already has your left tackle, Tevin Jenkins is perfect great right yeah Uh, because he's a he's a you know he's a great right side guy but if you're looking for a left tackle I don't think that's your guy at all um a a guy that's also interesting Alex Leatherwood was you know a year ago in all the way too early mock drafts he was like a a top 10 pick um and I've seen some people say that maybe he plays guard at the next level um he's also interesting and again I think you're talking about maybe not a solidified starter but if you were to pull the trigger on him later, you're getting a guy that, that might just give you versatility. Yeah. I mean, I, there was, I think once I got past three, it was pretty tough to sort through about four or five guys in those last two spots. Yeah. Um, guard guard was, uh, our interior offensive line rather, I should say, uh, that was tough after I got through like two, there was just, wasn't a guy that like I love necessarily. Um, I said I mentioned that I have Vera Tucker one because I I do think he ends up playing inside. I could be wrong, but I just think he I think he moves inside. I got Landon Dickerson two kid out of Bama, and then Wyatt Davis, Kendrick Green, and Creed Humphrey. Um, I will say if Elijah Vera Tucker doesn't count in this ranking as an interior offensive lineman, yeah. Then I, the Miners kid out of Wisconsin Whitewater, yeah. I, I like because to play, he plays D three, but he was really good at Senior Bowl practice, yeah. And I think that I think that the lines is a position where you can just watch one-on-one matchups in a practice and kind of get a gauge on what a guy can do, especially when the other guy is a top tier, you know, future NFL player, like great college football player. Yeah. I think that's a good sign. So if Vera Tucker doesn't count, then I'll probably throw minors up there in that top five. But yeah, I just, the interior offensive line, like there's just not a dude that I look at and I say, that's a clear cut, like first round pick. Um, there are guys, any of those guys I think could slide into the end of the first round, but I just don't know which one. 
just preference, I guess, from team to team. Right. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think Vera Tucker for me would be one. Uh, Wyatt Davis would be two. Creed Humphrey, three. Uh, Landon Dickerson, four. And then for me, it was kind of like uh, either Trey Smith, the guard out of Tennessee, Deontay Brown, the guard out of Alabama, or Ben Cleveland, the guard out of Georgia, as as like the next guy. Yeah. Also, I said, I don't I remember who it was. Uh, I think it was, was it Slater? I said, seemed like a big center. He's not a big center. Yeah. Creed Humphrey's like six five. Yeah, Creed Humphrey's. A I don't know. I don't, monster. I don't know why. Yeah, I just for whatever my stupid brain was like, oh, he's a center. He's got to be like six two. Um, <laughs> got to squeeze in that little hole. Yeah, yeah uh, they're bigger nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of senior bowl one on ones, I'll tell you the guy that I I like fell in love with uh, watching the senior bowl one on ones, and I I'm I'll, another guy that I I think might be a steal later in the draft, Deontay Smith, the tackle out of East Carolina. If you haven't seen him, go watch the offensive line, defensive line, one-on-ones from the Senior Bowl, and he is unbelievably great. Like, nobody gets past him. He's just, he's so good. I'll have to go check him out. He wasn't even on my radar. Yeah. Yeah, I, and like I said a second ago, I think that the one-on-one, like, there's some positions you can't grade through, like, a practice, like, really get a good idea what they could do during a practice, but I think... Offensive line, defensive line, one-on-ones, you give you... Because, I mean, that's basically what you're doing in a game is you're just, you know, it's it's one-on-one pass protection and, you know, pass yeah. rush. Like, we get a good idea of what they can do physically. Yeah. Yeah, go watch... Uh, when you get a chance, um, go to YouTube and you can find the O-line, D-line, one-on-one tapes and, and watch uh, Deontay Smith and he's just insanely good. Like, I was just, like, blown yeah. away. Um, yeah, I'm going to check that out. All right, let's uh, let's hit the defense. Uh, this is this is such an interesting defensive class, and we talked about this a little bit earlier. There's a good chance there's not even a top ten defensive player in this draft. Uh, there's a good chance there's not a top ten to fifteen defensive lineman in this draft. And I think as far as day two, we're going to see a bunch of defensive names come off the board because you're you're just going to get down your board and see all these these guys available. Um, and you know, I think there are. Good prospects. The problem is there's not like, like, especially I had this conversation yesterday with a guy about like Quiddy Pay, for example. Like, Quiddy Pay is a freak, right? Physicality, mm-hmm. athleticism, like, he's a freak, but he's not been as productive as, as a guy like Chase Young. Like, there are just questions about him. Whereas with Chase Young, there was, there was just no questions. So, when you add with some of these guys just the question mark, like, you could hit a home run later in the draft with some of these dudes, but uh, it just feels like there are less questions with more of the offensive players. And, again, I think there are uh, there are just a ton of defensive players that I think we see come off the board in day two. Well, I mean, I think that's just a testament. Like, because you – I mean, what's the, the three most important positions of football, and I don't think many people argue this, is quarterback, offensive tackle, and edge rusher. Yeah. The fact that there's not an edge rusher going until like the 13 to 16 range in most mock drafts yeah. kind of shows you that there's just not there's not that elite level pass rusher in this draft. I mean, the fact that teams would take teams that already have a receiver, good receiving core like Cincinnati or like uh, Carolina or something, the fact that they could potentially take a receiver in the first round just shows you that like there's just not that that guy right. coming off the edge. In this draft, but there are like there are a lot of dudes that I like though. I do I think Micah Parsons could be like 
that I think he's I think he could be like that elite level guy yeah. defensively in this draft. Um, he's the only guy I could see going in the top ten, unless you're talking about Dallas at ten, which I guess is still technically a top ten. Yeah, but one through nine, we'll say one through nine. Micah Parsons is the only defensive player I could see going one through nine. Yeah, there's a chance that uh, I don't see any defensive lineman going in the top ten. I don't either. Um, I, I think that if if we are, we're talking about the possibility of any defensive players going one through ten, uh, you mentioned Parsons. The the two that I would throw into play would be Sertan and J.C. Horn mm-hmm. as possibilities. And and Sertan I think is probably the biggest possibility at nine and ten. And I think Horn is probably the possibility at ten if Sertan is already gone. So, um, and and I think. Slater and Sewell are probably gone at that point as well. So, um, yeah, it's it, this defensive class is really intriguing to me. And look, I think we're getting close to this point where offense is just so good versus defense that, like, unless you have a Chase Young that just seems almost bulletproof, uh, it, it kind of feels like we've entered this stage of football where there are just going to be less holes in offensive players than there are in defensive players when you start like really combing through tape. Yeah. Um, do you think if Quiddy Pay he, I, I don't have it in front of me. He wasn't a senior, right? He could have went back to Michigan. I believe so. Yeah. You think if he would have went back, he would have been a top ten pick next year? Maybe because athletically, like he's a freak. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like. It's just he doesn't like the technical stuff just isn't there. Like would another year of college help boost his draft stock? I've heard multiple people say that they hated the way Michigan used him. Well, that's and that was yeah. So, I mean, maybe if he goes back, it's the same thing. I mean, that's that's part of the problem, I think, is. uh, Yeah, I don't know. I I, I think that uh, he's he's number one on my board as far as edge guys. Same. I think that I think the potential is is there for him. I just like yeah. he's pretty raw right now. Yeah. Um, all right. Give me your your uh, two through five. Edge. For uh, edge. Yeah. Uh, I, I like Jalen Phillips, the kid out of Miami. I think that it's kind of the opposite of Quiddy Pay. I think that Phillips is very technically sound. I think he's got a good plethora of ru- uh, pass rushing moves. So I think that that will make up for him not being like that elite athleticism that you see out of like uh pay or Rousseau. Yeah. So I think he could be an impact player because I think he's just, I think he's smart. I think he's a, a smart pass rusher. Uh, Oa, the kid out of Penn state. Then I got Rousseau four. And then after four was pretty tough for me to find that fifth guy. So I just went with a guy that I've seen a lot of like in person and on tape. And yeah. I went with Ronnie Perkins. I think okay. if Ronnie Perkins was 20 pounds heavier I think we're talking about him being a first round pick. I think he's and, and we've we've we we did some research. Like there are good pass rushers at his size, like a Yannick Ngakwe, but I think that some teams get a little afraid of the fact that he's playing a lot of three technique and he weighs two hundred and forty pounds. So what what was he at the pro day? Do you remember I, I can't remember what I he don't weighed remember. in at, at the pro day. Yeah, I don't remember. I I can uh, I can Google it real quick. But uh I, I like man, I like Ronnie Perkins. I think he's really good. I mean, yeah. I saw some uh, some knocks on him for the fact that he only played half a year last year, but like that was a suspension issue. Yeah, and two, he came on the field and it was immediately like he the transcended the defense. defense. Yeah, yeah, like they completely shifted from a m- mediocre defense to one of the what twenty best defenses in the country when he came back. So yeah. 
yeah, his, his, I mean, he's got tape. Like there was, I was watching some highlights of Tevin Jenkins uh, last night and there was the play where Ronnie Perkins just straight armed him and just like yeah. destroyed Tevin Jenkins. Yeah. Like it's there. Like I think that Ronnie Perkins can absolutely hit on the right team. It might have to be like a Baltimore or a Pittsburgh where they can really utilize edge rushers that are 245 pounds or whatever he weighs right now. But yeah. I think he could be really good, especially if he goes to the right team. Yeah. Yeah, I um no no Aziz Ojolari, huh? No, he a little bit behind uh, Perkins. He's probably six for me. Okay, he's two for me. Um, I I just think he's a little bit of a one trick pony. I think, uh, but like what he does is, I mean, he's just he comes off the edge and he gets there. Like he just he's he's obviously an outside linebacker in a three four, uh, but. If I think it, I think Perkins probably is too. Yeah, um, Perkins just f- plays heavier, I think, than yeah, than like I agree. I mean, the, so I mean, he's straight arm Tevin Jenkins. Right, we just right. talked about. Yeah, yeah. He, the, so the, Perkins' weight, I think, on paper is is uh, maybe concerning, but when you watch him play, like he plays heavy as like a four three end. So, um, yeah, I go Quiddy Pay one. I go Ojolari two. Uh, Three and four are interesting to me, and and I, I could be probably convinced either way uh, with Owe and Jalen Phillips. I feel like Jalen Phillips is more polished at this point, but also has a ton of upside. Whereas with Owe, like he, he's six five, what like two sixty two seventy, uh, ran like a four four something at his pro day. Like <laughs> it's, it's just freak. like how can you not? Say like we just got to get this guy in, and we will, you know, we'll get the football part there. Uh, so, I think I think Oa and, and Pay are very similar, and like kind of what you're getting if you draft them. Yeah, because I mean they're both just like freaky athletic athletic dudes that are kind of raw. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. Phillips is probably like I said, more polished. Yeah, and then five would probably be Rousseau for me with with Perkins very close to being the next guy. Um, and, and again, a lot of that is just like, you look at the length of Rousseau and the explosiveness. Um, but I heard somebody else say this and like when they said it, I was like, I noticed the same thing. Every time I watched them play when he had the most successes, when he lined up inside, like I talk about Rousseau. Yeah. Rousseau. I, yeah. Rousseau. I, I like, I rarely felt like I saw him beating guys on the edge. It always felt like they were lining him up in the three technique and he was, you know, beating the interior guys. So I don't know that, that to me is just kind of one of those, like, I'm not saying he can't do it on the edge, but just felt like all of his big plays came from inside rush. Uh, does so it, does it, sorry, going back to Oway, does it concern you at all that he didn't have any sacks last year? A little bit, but you know, I've said this forever. I think sacks sometimes they can be overrated. Because if you if if you're a guy that maybe has eight sacks but you don't have any other pressures, are you more valuable than a guy that maybe has thirty pressures but two sacks? Well, that's the Jadavion Clowney argument, right? Yeah. So I mean, I mean it. I guess it 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 probably depends on the context. I'm not overly concerned that he just didn't get any. Uh, I think that he can apply pressure, and you know sometimes it's just. There are a lot of other things in play there to ultimately get the sack beyond just like, are you in the right I, position? So I think, I think in, tw- I think in, if it was 2005, 
I think the argument about if he gets pressure that he's still disrupting and that's still valuable holds more weight than it does in 2021 where we talked about so many quarterbacks being able to extend plays and get yeah. out of the pocket. Yeah. I think that if you're a guy like OA or you're a guy like Jadavion Clowney, you need another good pass rusher on the other end so you can push him into sacks potentially if yeah. you can only get the pressure. That's fair. Um, I, that's why I think Clowney has struggled so much since he left Houston is because he doesn't have J.J. Watt on the other end to push in, you know, the quarterback into right uh, with those pressures. So I, I, I and I had OA three. Like I think that OA is pretty raw, and I but I I love the physical uh, attributes that he has. But yeah, I mean it's I I think that this sacks thing does scare me because I think I need a guy that can finish those pass rushes. Yeah, yeah, it's it's concerning, but. I, I it wouldn't like take him off my board by any means. Yeah, obviously, yeah, he didn't take it. Yeah. He's still obviously three on mine. Yeah. All right. Uh, interior defensive lineman and and look whether it's three technique or uh, you know nose tackle one technique whatever you want to do here. Uh, just all the interior guys. Okay. Uh, for me, it, there was a clear cut one and clear cut two, and then I I just put everybody else in a hat and just drew names after okay. after that. Uh. Barmore is for sure the top interior defensive lineman for me. He's great pass rusher, great uh, uh, at, at run. My mind's just going blank. Uh, run defense. We'll just call it run defense. Great run defense, great pass rusher out of the interior spot of the line. Uh, I like the McNeil kid at NC State who is an amazing – I think he's yes. an amazing pass rusher yes. inside. Love, I love him on tape. Three-down nose tackle. He's a three-down nose tackle. Yeah, I don't know – where he grades out run wise, but I mean, if he could get Aaron Donald close to like Aaron Donald, like contributions in the pass rush out of the interior of the line, then I think that's a pretty good get. And that's, I mean, obviously that's like the ceiling. Like yeah. if you get that level, then like you hit a home run, but I'm just saying like, if he's a pass rush only, then yeah. so be it. But I like him a lot. And then after that, I went with the, uh, the, I don't, you're going to have to help me pronounce his name. The uh, Adigazua kid out of UCLA. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have him three. Okay. Another name that I can't pronounce. Did, did you see uh, him in the Senior Bowl one-on-ones? Yes. Good Lord. I, yeah, dominant. Yeah. Um, which is why he moved up, why he's at yeah. three for me. Um, I've got the Anwuzurike yeah, on, yeah, from Washington. Anwuzurike out of Washington at four. Um, uh, the thing that put him up at four is PFF had him graded really high, uh, yeah. in 2018. He kind of, he dropped off the next year, which is a concern, but I, I, I like signs of what he's doing. Uh, he also was a guy that had good, uh, showing at the, uh, senior bowl practice. And then, uh, I got Marvin Wilson out of Florida state at five. Okay. I, uh, again, it's just after McNeil and Barmore for me, yeah, I just kind of was just like, if I there was one thing that I liked about a guy that I didn't like that I didn't see the other guy, I just kind of put him ahead. It was just after two for me was tough. Yeah. Uh, one for me is Barmore. Also, two for me, uh, and I don't think there's a big gap for me at least uh, going to two. Lee McNeil. I if the Cowboys took him in the second round, and I don't even think it matters what they did in the first, I would be happy. Like even if they don't yeah. take corner in the first and they still went Lee McNeil in the second. I just think their biggest issue is literally at the point of attack in the middle of their defensive line. It all crumbles from that point on. 
and he's a three-down nose tackle. Uh, obviously, they don't play a three-four, but just to have that guy as the you know middle piece on the line of scrimmage of your defense, I, I think would be a massive upgrade. I, so I think you don't think he fits better in a four-three. He he as one of the defenses like because uh, I think if he's in a three-four, he probably needs to move outside. No, he's a if, nose tackle. If, I, yeah, I think. Yeah, he, but I mean. Yeah, I mean he is three. He's big. He's three. What like three forty? Six six two three seventeen. No, I'm reading three forty. Okay, three forty. I think his pro day he dropped weight. Uh, but yeah. Oh well, maybe so. Okay, maybe so. Yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah, I just if he's playing three technique and he's like his pass rush is what's getting him drafted. Yeah. You don't think that moving him outside on a three four would be the move? I like him as like the one technique in a four three most. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, if he goes to Dallas. I think he'd be a great fit to play. Yeah. A, you know, like a three technique, like defensive tackle. Well, no, I I like him playing one technique, but or one technique. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I, I mean, I'm uh, I'm a big fan of his. I I think he's uh he's a stud. Um. So I got him too. Um, I've got. Uh, on Wuzurike out of Washington three, I think you're just getting versatility there. He's not like yeah. Uh, None of these dudes after after McNeil and Barmore just really like yeah stood out yeah as being unique. Four for me is Davion Nixon out of Iowa, and this is mostly because like he's such a smooth athlete at that size. Like he just moves gracefully. He I'm just I I'm I'm like the upside with him just as an athlete at that size is insane. So Davion Nixon for me at four from Iowa, and then five. You know I think again you mentioned Osa out of UCLA. Um, you know as a three technique that could get after the the quarterback. I, I love him in that role. I I really like uh, uh, Jay Tufele out of USC. Uh, as a three technique, and then um, is it is it pronounced Togai, Tommy Togai, I think, is the pronunciation yeah, from right. Ohio State. I think he's probably my my number five because I think you're also just getting a you know a, a versatile guy that can take on defenders and and allow your linebackers to stay clean, but he also in pass situations gives you some ability to to win battles and and get after the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, I I love that McNeil kid though. I think Barmore is a little bit more well rounded. Uh, Barmore impacts pass on the passing side and the rushing side, so I think that Barmore is one. But like, just the what McNeil could be, yeah, is I think it's it, it gets. It, I'd be excited, like you said, if Dallas got him or any team got him. I think they'd be yeah nailing that pick. Well, I'll tell you this: I, I think Barmore is going to be a first round pick. If you said you can either have Barmore in the first round or Lee McNeil in the second round. Give me a Lee McNeil by a mile. I would, if you're also getting a first round pick somewhere else, but then I still get a Lee McNeil number two instead of yeah. Barmore in the first. I, I I love that. Yeah, yeah. I those I was I kind of wasn't really. I knew NC State's defense was pretty good, but like I wasn't really aware of the McNeil kid until I started like researching for the draft. And yeah, yeah I'm a big fan. Yeah, I uh, I started watching him about two months ago. I was just like, God, this guy. Awesome. And, you know, anytime you can get a guy that plays in the middle of the defensive line that you don't have to take off the field situationally, 
I think that's a huge plus, right? Like I like yeah. I, I really like Tyler Shelvin from LSU. But I mean, he's he's coming off the field in passing situations. Yeah, you I know? mean, like that's I mean, I, again, this is the ultimate like peak of the mountain comparison, but yeah, if you could get a guy just from like you said like where you don't like Aaron Donald where you don't have to take him off the field, he's a yeah. three down interior offensive lineman. Yeah. I know Aaron Donald plays a lot on the edge now. Right. Uh but when he came into the NFL, he was playing mostly interior and like, yeah, it's like, it's a, I mean, it's yeah. a huge plus for a defense to have an interior offensive lineman that you can leave down, leave in on third down yeah. and first and second. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Give me your linebackers. All right. Uh, Micah Parsons one. I talked about him earlier. I think he's potentially a pro bowl type caliber defensive player. Um, Nick Bolton two out of Missouri. And I'm going to be honest, the Missouri that the Nick Bolton thing was just, I loved his, I loved his tape of him just destroying guys. Yeah. So, uh, that's just kind of like, uh, I just like watching him play. So I'm gonna put him too. There's like a dynamite uh, got, factor when he, when he gets there, right? Like the, yeah. there's punishment being delivered when he, when he connects. Very old school feel with yeah, him. I absolutely. Think. He's a uh, thumper, right? That's yeah. A hundred percent. Uh, Zavin Collins is three for me. I know a lot of people like the, uh, Awusu Kuramoa kid yeah. at Koromoa kid at Notre Dame, but I don't think I only reason I'm four is because I don't think he's gonna play linebacker. I think he's gonna be a hybrid. Agreed. I think he ends up. I think he ends up playing like that. Um, uh, More of like a box safety type role. Yeah, the name, yeah. the kid out of the dude in Arizona right now. His name's slipping my mind. Um, Buda oh, Baker. The, I think yeah, the Clemson kid. Well, I was thinking about Buda Baker. Or, or, or okay, play. Buda Baker. Yeah, he's uh. The the jock kid out of Notre Dame is a little bit bigger than Buda Baker, but I think he plays that same role, like you said, like a box safety. Yeah, is where I think he ends up. And then I've got Jabril Cox at LSU at five. Okay. Um. Yeah, Cormo is interesting because if you have a specific role that you want him to play, I think he's a first round talent. But in terms of just like ranking linebackers. It, it's hard it was, to rank him as a linebacker. Hard, right. It was hard for me to put him in, in that five as a linebacker. So I went Parsons one. I think he could be like a Devin Bush or, or uh, Devin White type of guy in the middle of your defense. Just, I mean, do it all type of, of dude. Uh, and, he's a great and, pass rusher too. Yeah, yeah, athletically, he's just a freak. I mean, you can send him on blitzes. He can play run pass. I, I just, I, I think he's really good all the way around. Uh, Zayvon Collins too. Again, just a monster of a linebacker that has unbelievable athleticism and versatility. Gr- great instinct. I thought he. I think he has great instincts too. I think that. Agreed. Yeah, it just he. It. I think that the only flaw I found in him is that he's uh, he's pretty big. He's oh and yeah, I he's a know, monster. He's huge. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be fast enough in the NFL, but like other than that, yeah, I love everything that I see. I've seen him do on tape. Yeah, I don't. His top end speed might be concerning, but again, he's so athletic that I think that yeah, that probably makes I think up be, for I, it. Yeah, I think in the run game, he's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, and then I go Jameen Davis from Kentucky three, Jabril Cox four, and Nick Bolton five. Yeah, like I said, the Nick Bolton at two yeah. is just... <laughs> I just yeah. got super excited watching right. this tape of him just, like, sending dudes into another dimension. Yeah, like, I, I can hear uh, I can hear the old, like, uh, Berman and, and Tom Jackson, like, boom, when, yeah. <laughs> when he gets there, you know? <laughs> so good. The Raiders. 
Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. All right, corners. Um, I, I think that we probably see, I don't know, 10 or 11 in the first two rounds. This position was the hardest position for me to rank. I spent the most time trying to rank my cornerbacks. Yeah. Because I I don't know. There's just, there's a lot of good ones, and I don't think that there's a clear-cut number one in my opinion. Okay. I have Caleb Farley one. I know his draft stock has dropped because of the surgery, but from what I've heard, it was an outpatient procedure, so quick, easy procedure, and he's going to be ready for training camp. I know it's a back thing, yeah. and backs are scary when it comes to you know any sport. Um, I'm just going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's going to recover. So I've got Caleb Farley one because I just I like size and athleticism and technique like his is I think it's great. I think his um his ball tracking is really good. Yeah. I've seen uh, plenty of quite a few plays where at the last second he's able to turn his head and track the ball and make a play. Um so I like I still like Caleb Farley one. I'll say this about got, Farley. I think if if you take everything else out of play and you're just evaluating these guys on film Caleb Farley's the best the best corner in this draft. If if which it's is what just based yeah. on what you watch on the football field, yeah, I agree. Right. Which which is what I'm doing, and I'm giving the benefit of the doubt that he's going to be able to recover from uh, that procedure just fine. Right. I've got J.C. Horn too, I, and I just I love J.C. Horn's um, physicality. Uh, if I get a dude that can play press man, and he's going to be physical with any receiver at the line of scrimmage. And I've seen people say that he might be too physical, which I think is a, a silly thing to say about a football player. Yeah. But um, I like J.C. Horn. And then uh, I hate I, I hate to bring like bring this up, but I think it's a good comparison. Colin Cowherd has talked about J.C. Horn a lot because I've just I've been watching as many like much draft stuff as I can. Anything that pops up on YouTube suggests that it's a draft thing. I'll watch it. He compares him to Richard Sherman. I think mentality-wise, he's probably pretty close to Richard Sherman. So, interesting. Tech skill-wise, I don't know, but like mentality-wise, yeah. I think J.C. Horn and Richard Sherman are of the same cloth. And I think at cornerback, you've got to have that mentality. Uh, I've got Sertain three. Um, I think those three guys are probably clear-cut, like one, two, and three, in whatever order you want to place them. Um, I say that, but I mean Greg Newsom, you could probably argue could be up in that top three. Uh, if you're a little bit down on Farley right now. Yeah. And then uh, I've got Aaron Robinson, Aaron Robinson out of uh, Central Florida at five. Okay. Yeah, Asante, Asante Samuel Jr. I like, but he's a little small and that scares me. Yeah. Um, so I bumped him down a little bit because I think that Asante Samuel is probably going to end up. I, I don't know if you could play him outside. I think he might just no, be a nickel I think, back. Yeah. I, for me, at least, I think he's a nickel corner. Which, look, I mean, yeah. that's kind of the base package in the NFL today anyway. A lot of them. Yeah, a lot of them running 4 2 like, I, I think like, we're yeah. still evaluating the NFL in this old traditional format. And you think, like, Nick, like he's a nickel defense guy. Well, nickel. I mean, most people are playing three corners because you have to yeah. have a talented slot corner. Or, I mean, if you're just going to consistently put linebackers on you know the slot receivers in the NFL today you're going to get torched so right. I, 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 I consider that to be a starting position these days yeah most teams either have a nickel back or have that hybrid like box safety right. like that it you know can cover that yeah. slot receiver most slot receivers are some you know what I'm saying yeah. but yeah it's saying that he's a nickel back is not a knock it's just it doesn't have it doesn't allow for versatility yeah. I guess he has to play inside right yeah uh, all right, so I go Sertan, 
number one. And I think it's just mostly because, like I said, Caleb Farley to me is by far the most impressive of all these guys on the football field. But he didn't play last year, the opt-out and then the the back. Um, Sertan I don't think is as good in coverage. But I think he's just so well-rounded that, uh, I mean, there's just not really a hole, right? Where, where his his high end in coverage maybe isn't at the same level as Farley. There's just not really a hole for, for Sertan. So I go Sertan. He's a freak, too. Yeah. I go Sertan, one. Uh, I still have Farley, two. Uh, like you said, I mean, even, I, I just, what, what he could potentially be if he's healthy to me is just, it's better than everybody else. So Farley, two. Uh, J.C. Horn, three. Um, you mentioned the physicality. It jumps off the page. I just, he, while like the testing numbers um, for Sertan are off the charts, I feel like J.C. Horn looks like the more athletic guy uh, when yeah. you watch them on the football field. So um, J.C. Horn to me is also just a freak. Uh, J.C. Horn's three. Greg Newsom is four and kind of like Caleb Farley. I just, he's so smooth. Everything looks really easy for him. Um, so I, I think all four of those guys are, are absolutely going in the first round. 100%. Uh, I'd be shocked if any of them fell out of the first round. And then number five to me, um, I'm going to do the same thing you did go inside. And I think this guy is strictly a slot corner, nickel corner, whatever you want to call him. Uh, but he doesn't come off the field. I mean, I, I think he's, he's, a starter. He's one of your starting 11, uh, Elijah Molden from Washington. Yeah. Yeah. I, and like I said, I think this for me was the toughest group to rank. Um, just because four, I think a lot like the receivers four through 10 or four through eight, four through 10, whatever, how many yeah. you throw in there? I think they're pretty close. Like there's each of them have something they're really good at or that pops off and then they yeah. have flaws. Right. Um, the receivers were a little bit easier because I think that, Four through ten, I I have more confidence that those guys can be are going to be productive than I do with the cornerbacks four through ten. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, again, another like I said at the beginning, I think you could see like ten to twelve in the first two rounds because I mean you, you yeah. talked about I didn't have Samuel Junior in my top five, uh, but I he'll be a second round pick I I believe. Uh, Aaron Robinson in your top five, he's he's a yeah. I mean, again, some of these guys could go at the end of the first round. That wouldn't shock me, but I think more likely second round. Uh, Eric Stokes from Georgia, I think, is probably a second-round guy. Uh, Kelvin Joseph out of Kentucky, I think, is a second-round guy. Tyson Campbell from Georgia is a second-round guy. Um, I think Melifonwu from Syracuse is a second-round guy. And and then there's um, a guy I really like that I feel like is starting to rise maybe a little bit, but still I, I think is somewhat undervalued is uh, Paulson Adebo out of Stanford. Yeah, I, I I didn't watch much of of him or do read a bunch of uh, about him, but I I think that it's an interesting study, uh, you know, kind of researching the draft and stuff, and just seeing like the shift in football because the receivers are getting so much better, yeah. which means that the cornerbacks are going to get a lot better. You're going to see like deeper cornerback classes because you need to match up with the receivers and all that stuff, and teams are going to take them higher because they need guys on the other side of the ball that can match up with. The, all the dozens and dozens of really good receivers in right. the NFL. So, yeah, I mean, I think that like 20 years ago, you were probably seeing a lot of interior defensive linemen and a lot of running backs taken early because the teams needed to, you know, counteract each other. So, yeah, 
I think we could see if we're going through the first two rounds, I wouldn't be shocked if there's 20 receivers and cornerbacks combined taken. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. The game's just played in more space than it's ever been played. So yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's hit the safeties. This is another interesting one because I think, uh, again, this is the cool thing about the NFL. And I was having this conversation with Eric yesterday about like, for example, Julian Edelman and the hall of fame. He, he brought up Edelman retiring and, and that conversation. And I, I think we're entering or we have entered this age where you're looking at more specialists and guys doing specific things in the NFL than ever before. You know, there was a point in time where you just, you drafted somebody at this position and it's like, okay, you're going to do this and this and this and this. Whereas I think now there are just so many guys that are really good in one area that you're looking for specialists to do specific things. So I, I think in terms of the safeties, there there are a couple of guys that I think are really well-rounded and really versatile. And then there are some guys that I think are strictly like do this or do that. You know, you're, you're strictly going to be that, that box safety or you're strictly going to be that, that center fielder. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how you evaluated these guys. I think there are, in my opinion, there are two safeties that can do everything. Okay. I think that Morig out of TCU is, in my opinion, I think he's might be the second best defensive player in this draft. Um, maybe third or fourth, maybe third okay. uh, behind uh, Quiddy Pape. I, I really like Morig out of, am I saying it right? Morig? Merig. Merig. Okay, yeah. Merig out of TCU. Uh, I have him one. I have Richie Grant out of Central Florida two. Love Richie um, Grant. Yeah, played a lot of uh, deep safety uh, early in his career at Central Florida, but then like moved, started moving up, and he turned into a really good guy in the and run defense. So I think yeah. that he can, I think he can play deep if he needs to on, you know, third and longs, or he can move up and play in the box, uh, on first and second down if he needs to. So I like his versatility. Um, I've got Jamar Johnson out of Indiana three. I think he's like, from what I have researched and, you know, my, my opinion, I think he's a good pass safety, pass def- defensive safety. Um, not really, I don't know if he's going to offer much in the run game. Yeah. I think he's uh, the best like center fielder in this draft. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then I've got Elijah Molden four out of Washington and then Ardarius Washington out of TCU. So okay. I've got two TCU safeties in my top five. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah, I, I look at, uh, again, I think it depends on, like we said, how you want to use them. Like Elijah Molden for me is a corner. Cause I think he's just, he's going to be a slot corner. You're putting him on whoever that interior receiver is. Uh, and again, I think that's just, that's the base defense for most teams nowadays. You're you're probably having a cornerback that plays inside, uh, to, to you know from a matchup standpoint. So, um, I had Elijah Molden categorized as a corner, but I, you know again I can see where um, you would put him as as that category category as well. Um, I I think that uh, Merrig for me is is one as well. Um, you mentioned Richie Grant. I think he's also really good as he could be that, that, uh, slot corner type of position yeah, as I well. Mean, I think he's just so versatile. It's hard not to like him. I did you lo- watch his, uh, did you watch Richie Grant's uh, senior bowl practice? I mean, he oh, was yeah. doing play, bump and run with receivers yeah. and like keeping up with them easy. Yeah. He looked great. As a safety. Yeah. Yeah. He looked great as, uh, in the one-on-one receiver, uh, corner, whatever you want to. Receiver DB, I guess, is what they call it, uh, matchups. Um, 
another guy I absolutely love, and I guess because he opted out, uh, he's not been viewed as favorably. A year ago, I think most people felt like he might be the best safety in this draft, but he didn't play in 2020. And then I've heard the big knock on him is like he's not overly explosive athletically, which, like, he's he's bigger than Richie Grant. He's basically the same size as Trayvon Merrick. He ran a better 40 than both of those guys. Um, I, I don't get, I guess, the, the knocks on him, but I love Javon Holland from Oregon. I think that um, he played free safety as a freshman, and then he played basically like that nickel corner uh, box safety type of role, whatever you want to call it, uh, mm-hmm. later in his career. But I think the dude's just, once again, I, I think it's about versatility. And with Holland and Grant especially, I see so much versatility that you can draft either one of those guys and you can ask them to do different things on different downs. I just I, I think that they are such great weapons because they can do so much. So uh, Merrick one for me. Holland is actually two. Richie Grant is three. And then Jamar Johnson, who I think is the best just pure deep safety in this draft, uh, number four. Five for me is interesting because I like our Darius Washington, but you know, five eight, one eighty size is somewhat of a concern there. Sounds like a nickel corner. Yeah. Um, Andre Cisco is really interesting. Um, he's a guy that going up bust, ACL, right? Though, like, but yeah, torn ACL. But yeah. like again, that's ACLs are nothing to come back from these days. Yeah. Um, I think just the pure upside of what he could be probably outweighs anything else. And so he probably gets five for me, but lots of, of blown coverages at Syracuse. But again, a lot of big plays as well. Um, yeah. And then I'll tell you the guy, a couple guys that I think are really interesting and somewhat undervalued. Uh, Nazraldine from Florida State, 6'3", 215, I think as a strong safety is, uh, again, just one of those guys that could be a really incredible weapon defensively. I love, if you watch, if you watched any of USC, I don't know how much of USC you watched, but um, Talanoa Hufanga is just all over the place. Like, when you watch USC play, he's just constantly making plays. I, I uh, It was like watching Troy Polamalu, if you will. Like, he just, everywhere. Um, in the pass game, in the it? run game, yeah. just a, a, I just, I love watching guys just be playmakers. And I always felt like he was making plays. So he's a guy that, that I think is really undervalued. And then, Another guy that I probably like more than anybody that I actually even considered in my top five is Caden Stearns from Texas. Um, again, I think he probably plays like the deep safety role in the NFL. Six foot, 207, ran a four four forty. Um, there weren't like a just a bunch of wow plays necessarily at Texas. I think part of that is, is Texas and their defense in general. But I think in the right spot, this dude... I, he's not a pro bowler necessarily, but I think he's just a solid safety that, that fills a hole. Yeah. I, I actually like going through the safety class. Like I, if you would have asked me a month ago or three weeks ago, I probably wouldn't have like thought the safety class was very good, but I think there's, I think that it's like fairly deep. Like I think there's probably like seven or eight potentially like, like you said, I don't know yeah. about pro bowlers, but like yeah. good, like quality, like quality starters on a lot yeah. of teams. Um, a couple of guys that you didn't mention, uh, the Sherwood kid out of Auburn, or at least I don't believe you mentioned yeah, him, sure, yeah. but 
Sure. Well, he's he's oh, he's pretty decent. Uh, Divine Diablo is a guy that could potentially fit in. He's pretty big. Or I'm not yeah. big, but uh, yeah, no, he's yeah. a monster for a safety. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he could be a linebacker. Who knows? Yeah, I think he's what six three two twenty five two thirty. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, a he's... yeah. I don't have his uh, yeah, I don't have his uh, measurables or his height and weight in front of me. Just, but uh, I remember he was one or the other. But anyways, uh, yeah. And then uh, the Gillespie kid, of Missouri, maybe. Uh, like, yeah. there's just like a, there's a lot of safeties in here that could be. I mean, it's a lot. It seems like a lot of boom or bust at this position, but like they could be pretty decent. Like they could turn into good NFL players, or they could just be terrible. Yeah. But like, there's the depth is there that I didn't think there was. Uh, I'll give you another guy that I think he most people categorize him as a corner, but I think he's a safety. Um, Sean Wade from Ohio State. Like yeah, I, yeah, again, yeah, yeah. I think he's he's a better safety than he than he is a uh, corner. Uh, so he could potentially be in that conversation. And then the dude that I don't know if you watched any of Paris Ford at Pitt, but mm-hmm. he ran like a, I think it was like a four, eight or four, nine 40 at his pro day. And his stock <sighs> oh, just God. completely plummeted as it should. Wait, yeah. It's that's like a, it, it was shocking, horrible time. He but, ran a one second faster 40 than Creed Humphrey. Like right, that's right. That's not excusable, but go watch him play football. And the dude like just, Again, I it, all over. It's hard not to like him. The dude just once again always making plays. Um, I mean, you, you see him track people down. So, you know, maybe I, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's slow because he doesn't look slow on tape. But I, he's another guy that I really like. And if if his stock has plummeted, I would absolutely take a late round pick on him, one hundred percent. Yeah, I'll take him out. I mean, yeah, I mean, he could be slow in the forty, but like take great angle. Maybe he's. Yeah, yeah, like he's just his IQ is way up there. He always takes the right angle. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'll check him out though. Uh, there's a lot of dudes like later at the end of the draft that I still haven't really even like checked out. Yeah, uh, yet, but yeah, I mean, this we've talked about it for a while, but this class really is deep. I mean, there's I think the running back position is probably the running back position and tight ends are like the only two positions that I look at where like, I don't think I could get like good value in the second round or the third round. Agreed. Yeah. Well, since you mentioned that, how do you feel about the quarterbacks after the first round? Uh, I, I, I think there's, I mean, there's obviously a little bit of a drop, right? Yeah. For uh, sure. Just because the top of the draft is just so high, but, um, I'm sorry, I'm pulling up a list just to kind of refresh what I'm what I'm looking at. Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond, uh, Davis Kyle, Mills, yeah, Jamie Kyle, Newman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger. Um KJ I, I Costello. Think I, like, I like what Kyle Trask could offer. I don't think he has NFL like top fifth, top half of the league arm strength. Um I think his accuracy is good. I like his size. I I I don't think he's as much of a statue as Mac Jones. I don't, but I don't think he's very mobile. Yeah. Um, but I think if you could get Kyle Trask in the third round, either he's a career backup or maybe he turns out to be a pretty decent starter. I think yeah. that there's a, a low risk with Kyle Trask where you're going to get him. Um, I Kellen Mond, man. I I guess if you get him in the fourth or fifth round, then you're probably getting good value for what he can get, he can give you. But I. 
I don't think he's even close to the top five of this class. Like we made fun of Chris Simpson uh, a ton. I don't think he's up there with that, but I think he, I think he can do some things pretty okay. I guess he definitely has experience. Like the experience is not an issue with him. It's kind of a trap Um, because I think he, here's who he reminds me of. He's like Jalen hurts, right? Like because of the physical gifts, I think like he, he's capable of doing things that other guys aren't capable of. But then it's also maybe a situation where because of the gifts, maybe our expectations go up and he fails to deliver. I I don't know. He's a weird one for me. I, I If you want to take him later as just, a, again, a, an athletic quarterback, um, then go for it. I just don't think he's just skilled enough throwing the football I, to have success yeah. in the NFL. So. I, I was just about to say, I don't think passing wise, I don't think he's even close to yeah. what he's going to need to be to be right. successful in the NFL. I've, I've watched, I watched the senior bowl game, every throw he made in the senior bowl uh, a couple of weeks ago. And like the second one, he missed like a five yard out. The guy was wide open yeah. and he does the ter- like, it's, I don't think it's there. He, he might be okay. His deep throws, I think are probably okay, but his, his short intermediate is just, yeah. I don't think it's even close to being a starter in the NFL. Um, so yeah, I think really after Kyle Trask, I need to watch more of, uh, the Mills kid out of Stanford, but I, I wouldn't be shocked after the first round if there's one quarterback taken on day two yeah. or two quarterbacks taken on day two. I, the I mean, guy I sh- love and again, not, not in round two or maybe even round three, but if, if he's still there at round four or later, I, I love Jamie Newman that late. Yeah, out of Wake Forest. Yeah. Jo- yeah, transferred to Georgia, didn't play, but yeah. We're talking about Shane Bouchelle in this conversation, at the, oh, like with these guys, yeah. like like these, I just don't like the quarterback. I really don't like the quarterback class after the first round that yeah. much. Yeah, I think Kyle I, Trask I just like the, probably... where with, I, with Mond, I think people see upside and you and I don't. I do think that upside is there with Jamie Newman, where he's not a finished product. I think there's a lot of room for him to go grow. He's 6'3", 230. He, he's, I'm not saying he's a running quarterback, but he's mobile, can move. I think he's got good enough arm strength. Here's the problem with Kellen Mond, though. He should be a finished product. He yeah, shouldn't he's be played this so raw. much. Yes, agreed. Yeah. I agree. Started three and a half years of starting at A&M. Right. He should be... Pretty, he should be extremely polished by this point, but right, like you say, he's completely raw. Yeah, yeah, that's why I, I prefer Newman over Mon for that reason. I think that there is still just a, a lot of upside for Newman. So, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I think Kyle Trask probably goes in the second round, maybe early third if uh, the teams that need quarterback, every team that needs a quarterback gets it in the first round, but. I can see New England taking him in the second round potentially, um, or you know if he falls to the third. Yeah, I just, yeah. I think Kyle Trask, like I said, I think that he's a safe pick where you're going to get him. But after that, like I think every quarterback's a coin flip after that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. All right, man, that was fun. Uh, we will do a uh, we'll do a mock draft next week. We'll uh, we'll alternate the picks, so that'll be a good time. Okay, look forward to uh, the Texans having a great first round. Ra- oh, oh yeah, mind. they're not in it. Yeah. Uh, I um uh-huh. I've got so I'm doing a mock draft this week where I have people that actually cover every team making all 32 picks. Um I've got every pick done. I have one left to record. He's already made the pick, but he couldn't record the pick until 
this afternoon. So as soon as he finishes recording that, I'm going to put it all together and uh, that'll be available this week. But uh, because I already have all the picks, um, I, I, it'll be interesting. I, I think uh, it'll be it'll be fun to watch or listen to. Either. Well, I look I look for I hope you called somebody from Houston to get their third round pick uh, prediction in. Nope. No. Nope. Ah, well, no. shoot. Okay. Well, yeah. I don't blame you. I was kind of hoping they had a first round pick just because I wanted to be like, so the Texans select two, they make the pick, and I'm like, so tell me about this Deshaun Watson and and Texans front office situation. I mean, if you're, I mean, if you're being honest, like te- the Texans are probably one of the most interesting teams in the league right now. Absolutely. Not for good reasons. For, right. bad, for everything bad. Right. Everything negative you could think of. There. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I'll have uh, I'll have that mock draft put together uh, before this week is over. So that'll be that'll be a fun watch or listen. Very cool. Yeah, I'm excited. I'll check that out. All right, excited, Aaron Davis. Excited to see where these nerds have players going. <laughs> hey, you know what? We're uh, I'm I'm in that camp. I'm a draft nerd as well. So yeah, we just spent two hours talking. Two about hours the draft. talking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, we may we may get like five Pro Bowlers out of this group, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, that was fun though. All right, man. At Mr. Davis Media on Twitter, Aaron Davis joining me every Wednesday. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. If you're unfamiliar with these products or their health benefits, it's all about educating yourself. And Artisan Botanicals has a staff that's dedicated to helping you live a better life. So don't hesitate to give them a call. 405-458-9699. Plus, we're saving you 15% when you order online. Simply use the discount code COLBYSHOW when you check out online. The website is abotanicalcompany.com. Once again, really easy to navigate. abotanicalcompany.com, discount code COLBYSHOW for 15% off your online order. That website, again, is abotanicalcompany.com. All right, big mock draft tomorrow. Everybody have a great day. Stay safe, and I will see you tomorrow. Podcast is over.